0: to see all of you here this morning and for those at home on zoom good to know you're there even if i don't see you Not finish Psalm One Nineteen today. <laughs> I, I think that quote was falsely ascribed to me. Someone else said it, but if I said it, I would and that's okay. We will we will finish when we finish. Um, but one thing I'm going to look at today out of Psalm One Nineteen. And Sid read for us uh, Psalm 139. And if you'll turn there, and then Psalm 139 and Psalm 119 will sort of bounce back and forth and, and feed each other opportunity for our awareness. And starting at the very beginning of Psalm 139, and, and by the way, I, I hope I hope many of you are very familiar with Psalm 139. If you're not familiar with Psalm 139, I would really encourage and challenge you, become familiar with Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is a psalm of of intimacy with God. It's a a psalm about the sovereignty and the care and the oversight of God. It's a psalm about the, the, the depth of God's heart, mind, spirit commitment to us. It's a psalm of reassurance so that whatever we're facing, whatever day we're in, whatever moment we're in, whatever circumstance we're in, that we can know for a fact, my father saw this moment coming and he's joyfully ready for this moment. In fact, part of what flows out of Psalm 139 is if right now I could see into my father's heart, about what he is thinking about this moment that he is prepared for. This might be a moment of, of great blessing. This might be a moment of great sin and, and sorrow and grief over my own choices. This might be a moment of sorrow over what the universe or the world has done to me. It doesn't matter what the moment is, That if I could look into the heart of God, what I would see is this father is joyfully prepared for that moment in ways that I would treasure what he's saying and that 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 would be hope for me, not a quick fix. It would be hope for me. So again, I would encourage you, if you're not familiar with Psalm 139 or if it's been a long time since you read it and meditate on it, sometime this week, uh, just be a son or daughter of God who, who goes into Psalm 139 and says, Father, let's remember all that stuff again. And, and go read and ponder the whole psalm. We're just gonna try to capture a couple of things from it today. Uh, and maybe someday soon we'll we'll take six or seven weeks or months to go through Psalm 139 as well. <laughs> yes. But he starts out. so in Psalm 139, he starts out with, you searched me, you've known me. And that theme actually continues through in a variety of ways of his promises, that he knows you because he created you. He knows you because he formed you. But he also knows you in this deeper way in the sense that he's saying, I know about every single moment of your life and you haven't even lived them yet. I know you intimately in a way that nobody else in the entire universe can know you. Your mommy can't know you this well. Your daddy can't know you this well. In fact, the truth is, as we'll see, the truth is, I can't know me this well. I need him to know me better than I can know me. And then we have a dialogue about what he knows that I don't know. So he ends up with this in verse 23. And it's interesting because verse 1 says, You have searched me, you have known. me." But now David comes with a heart, with a mindset. He's prepared himself for something toward God when he says, Now, Father, here's my prayer. Search me and know my heart. So he adds to search me and know me. Try me. And this isn't like a Clint Eastwood try me. (laughs) (laughs) This is sift me and find out what's pure. Sift me, test me. Like a, a, a really qualified metallurgist getting rid of all the dross and the impurities till it's finally pure silver or pure gold this i I hope you understand this this is a scary prayer father refine me god's going okay (laughs) (laughs) but again the mindset of david is in a sense by praying this prayer he really is saying whatever it takes. And we'll see the goal that he's aiming for, whatever it takes. But he really is saying, try me, sift out everything in me that doesn't fit this goal. And so let's, again, finish that last bit of 139. Oh, he adds this. Along with the dummy, it's not my anxious thoughts. And, and as we've already seen from numerous passages of scripture that we've studied together over the years, my anxious thoughts are not his thoughts. That's right. God's not sitting there fretting because he's not sure how my, my retirement's going to work out. God's not sitting there fretting because he doesn't know what the doctor's gonna tell me when I go back for my visit. God's not fretting over any of those things. So he sees, as we've talked about before, he sees the dot of that reality of whatever I'm, I'm anxious or worried about. He does see it and he's compassionate about it. But all around that, he sees this <laughs> larger thing. He's saying, I see my love. my preparation for you that thing doesn't worry me at all and what he's asking for you and I as and that David is praying is I'm gonna bring you my anxious thoughts and we're gonna do something with that I'm not gonna talk you into being worried with me I'm not gonna talk you into being anxious or fretting with me something else is gonna happen and this is where he goes to this oh man verse 24 See if there be any hurtful way in me. Did anybody need to draw this diagram? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a wonderful diagram. Any hurtful way. You know, and, and a real humbling awareness for us in this is the only thing we have to do to be hurtful is to not operate in the Spirit. That's all we have to do to be hurtful. And I might not be obviously hurtful, but there's something about God's purpose, is there something about the impact I was supposed to have in this moment in my wife's life, or my daughter's life, or a friend's life, or, or one of your lives, or someone I'm counseling with, or, or the clerk at H-E-B. There's something about the impact God wanted to have through me and he says, Raj, you didn't walk with me for that moment. And they might not even realize it, but you hurt them. You stole something. You robbed them of some moment of grace or love or friendliness that would have prepared their hearts for more because I have a whole lot more to do in their life. And you were just one dot in the line. And you just stole that one dot from me. That's hurtful. And we don't think that way. We don't naturally think that way. But but David is coming to God and saying, help me to think that way. I'm going to trade in my anxious thoughts. I'm going to trade in my hurtful thoughts for your thoughts. And that's what he says next. Lead me. in the everlasting way. And that recognition that learning God's ways, everything we learn about God is eternal. His love is eternal, his grace is eternal, his compassion is eternal. Everything about God remains unchanged. He says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. We've we bumped into that truth over and over again. And now he's saying, Reg, learn my eternal ways. Trade in your anxious ways, trade in your selfish ways, trade in your hurtful ways, for my everlasting, unchanging, unbreakable way. And there's a, there's a really interesting thing about this word. When, when you learn somebody's ways, it's different than a list or a rule book. So when, whenever you see a really good, uh, what do they call it? Impressionism. I think that's what they're called. Somebody who does impressions of other people. You know, this guy's going to pretend like he's Frank Sinatra. This guy's going to pretend like he's President Reagan. And, and I've heard some of them talk about they immerse themselves in the person they're going to impersonate. They watch tapes of them, they listen to their voice, they, they notice how they move, they notice their, their hand gestures, their head gestures, they notice when their voice gets quieter, gets loud, when they stutter, when they pause. And a good impressionist, you could almost watch them and go, whoa, they nailed it. That's Ronald Reagan. That's Barack Obama. That's Frank Sinatra. They have taken on the ways of the person. And it doesn't just mean, well, I memorized a Ronald Reagan speech, or I memorized a Frank Sinatra song. I've absorbed myself in his ways, and I've taken them on. So this word includes, again, we bump into this real often, The character, mindset, the passions, the love, the hate, the priorities and purposes of this person. And what David is saying is my hurtful ways don't fit with your character my frantic anxious worried ways I, i'm fretting over things that do not fit your truth your priorities your purposes for my life one of the things that i, I, I see frequently as i'm working with different people in counseling but i also see it in my own life worry anxiety fretfulness fear waste lots of energy, waste days and hours and sometimes decades of someone's love in a way that was never for God's purpose. And so a lot of times we think of anxiety where is it We think of anxiety as sort of a, a little mild innocent sin. Well yeah I know it doesn't it's not really trusting God but but you know everybody works and that you and I get to say but i will worry less and less and less because i'm asking him to lead me in his everlasting ways or i'm learning his character his mindset i'm i'm growing his passions his priorities i'm learning to love what he loves and to even to hate what he hates and the psalms frequently talk about what god hates not who he hates what he hates and so that recognition that we actually are free to say Father, I worry too much, but this year I'm gonna worry less because I'm literally bringing my anxious thoughts to you and I'm saying, lead me in your way. Teach me your way. Let's trade in my ways for your ways, my character for your character. Go to Psalm 119. And it's amazing to me how obsessed the writer of Psalm 119 is with the ways of God, the ways of God. Right here in verse one, he launches into it from the very beginning. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart, They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. And so, right off the bat, that person's face. We can get rid of that too. I'm sure you guys wrote that down. You don't have to memorize it. I know you did. (laughs) I look forward to seeing it in your notes. <laughs> <laughs> but here in, in Psalm now 119, he said something about walking in God's way, again, leads to blessing. They walk in his ways. And again, it's really interesting because this walk part, and we've already talked about this when we were looking at some of the choices, but it fits perfectly with the ways. Because again, it means this is the way I do the journey. I don't visit God's ways. This, this is how I do the journey. So that if somebody could track you through your day, they can track you through your time with your husband or your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your parents, your children, Your your workers, your boss, your employees. They could track you when you lean over the fence and chat with your neighbor. They could track you through the phone conversation with your mother in law. They could track you through your, your whole day. And that, seriously, this is not a trivial way to say it. That they could go, that looks a lot like God. Not in terms of perfection, not in terms of majesty or glory but in terms of, again, character. That man, that woman, that child, that adult, somehow keeps choosing the character of God in each of those steps through their walk of the day. And I like this. He says, oh, that my, in verse five, Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. So again, all of these ways that I'm learning from God, character, passion, priorities, everything, that we would be talking with God, praying, reading the word, bringing this mindset. I want to be stable in this. And again, that means it's not well. Today, today we're going to see the nice rich. Well, on Tuesdays, maybe we'll see the unnice rich. <laughs> and on Wednesday, we'll see the gracious, forgiving rich. On Thursday, you don't want to see rich. <laughs> <laughs> that, that we're recognizing, he's saying, please bring stability to this. Ponder with me, ask of me, and determine with me that you want to be that gracious, forgiving, merciful, kind, respectful, caring, sacrificial, servant-hearted person. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then again on Monday. That you and I are saying, Father, let's let's look at where I get unstable so that we target it. And that again fits with the Psalm 139. Show me where I do the hurtful way. Show me where I pull away from your heart and character and go back to my own ways and do damage. And it's amazing, again, how easy it is to do that because I don't have to do something intentionally evil. And and I think a lot of times as as Christians, we, we, both sides of this equation, that we get to recognize, Father, I'm sitting more every day than I realize because of the moments where I just didn't pursue your ways. I wasn't doing anything bad. Nobody has anything against me. My wife used to come to me and say, right why for the last 17 minutes, or maybe the last 17 hours, have you not been filled with the Holy Spirit? I want an answer to that. <laughs> dear. I was, just choose my own ways. But they were pretty good, weren't they? I mean, they were nice. She might not notice. Someone interacting with you might not notice your ways because you're still a pleasant person, because you didn't go to blatant evil. But when David is saying, Father, show me my hurtful ways, he's recognizing, Father, some of my hurtful ways do not look hurtful to me. I can get away with them and other people will let me get away with them. And I can go to bed tonight with a smile on my face thinking, well, God, I think I I think I did pretty good today. And God would say, I'm delighted, seriously. I am truly delighted for every moment you walk with me. But you're blind <laughs> to some of the moments where you walked in your ways and not mine. And I'm hoping your heart is saying, well, let's look at that tomorrow and learn from it. Now, these ways in order to be established, we looked at it, I think 20 times the whole time we've been in Psalm 139, I mean 119. But go to James again, right after Hebrews, James chapter one. So the title of this entire process of studying Psalm 119 is called Receiving the Word Implanted. So let's start at verse 21 again where it says, therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. As we talked about, he's not talking about the salvation of eternity, he's talking about the rescue of our souls, the lifting up of our habits, our personalities, our mindset, how we handle emotions, how we respond to people. God wanted to rescue all of that from darkness and bring it up into the light of his character. And it's the word implanted that I need for them. But prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. Once he's looked at himself and gone away, he's immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. And so there's there are several really important aspects of tying this passage to this prayer. I want to be established in your ways. I want you showing me where my hurtful ways are so I can trade them in for your eternal ways that you're going to be leading me And God is saying very directly, you can't do that unless you're in the word. And you can't do that unless you're seeking to put the word into doing, that you're seeking to put the word into practice. There are Bible scholars that know 10,000 times more than I know about the word of God. They can read the Bible in the original Greek and Hebrew. They can parse sentences and get to their true meaning. And that you and I would be left in the dust in terms of their technical knowledge of the word. And many of those Bible scholars have no clue how to love God, And and can study that word, and they don't go home pondering, now how can I live and do this word. The knowledge alone doesn't change people. The knowledge is incredibly valuable. In fact, go to 1 Peter chapter one. I think we read this just a few weeks ago, but just a real quick, back to it again. 2 Peter chapter one. Verse three, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence, for by these he's granted to us precious, magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. What he's saying is, so that you will be equipped to grow in his ways, so that you will be equipped to grow in his character, Having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. That recognition that he's saying, I've given you knowledge, I've given you truth, I've given you promises, and you could memorize my promises, you could know the truth, you could know it in your head. But now, here's how I'm gonna teach you wisdom. Go try to put my word into practice. When you see the new command, don't go, huh. What if there's some technical way I can decide that that command doesn't apply to me. <laughs> I just read, this week, I just read about a woman who was recognizing the slowness of her growth as a disciple, and she realized that's actually what she was doing. She would, she would go, that's a nice command. Okay, God, I'm gonna obey that command. That's a good command. I like that command. And then she would get to command she didn't like. Too difficult, too outside of her, her comfort zone, too much like... Giving up big chunks of her life or her popularity, whatever, and it'd be, how can I figure out a way that that command doesn't apply to me? I'm sure that you and I have never done it. But maybe, maybe in a little bit of an attitude we have. I think he was talking to the Jews of the first century, not <laughs> somebody else who live in my culture. And so that recognition that he's saying, here's how, here's one of the ways you are going to bring your life to me so that I can teach you my ways. You're not going to just read my word and know my word and memorize my word. You're going to take my word into your day and you're going to bump into a moment. You're going to go, whoa, Father, it's hard to obey your word in this moment. And he goes, you just bumped into one of your hurtful ways, didn't you? You just bumped into your way not yet surrendered to my way. And that's good as long as you keep being surrendered. It's good that you recognize that because now I can grow you there. And if you weren't trying to do my word, you could fool yourself into thinking, yeah, yeah, I'm good with all this. And I've actually heard people, and in fact, every time someone says it, I'm I'm stunned. But I've heard plain Christians when we talk about some profound principle of God's command or transforming our character, and they go, yeah, I've, I've got that down. Really? <laughs> I've got that down. It doesn't mean they haven't really grown. I expect that, I'm serious. I expect that everybody in here who's a genuine believer could tell stories about God, how God helped you grow, of things that used to be true about you in sin or attitude or ways of the world in you, Are no longer true. God has taught you, changed you, matured you. Some of you could talk about things that you didn't feel once in your life willing or prepared to obey God in, and now that obedience is a natural part of your life. You really, you really do have good stories of the work and grace and transformation of God in your life. But one of the things we absolutely get to say is, But I'm not done, Father. I'm in kindergarten on this stuff. I've just barely scratched the surface of what you want to teach me. And how dare I in arrogance think, I don't need to review that one. Father, I've read this chapter 27 times, don't need to read it again. I go, boy, do you need to read it again. (laughs) That very attitude lets me know you need to read it again. You and I will never grow in, in sufficiency to be able to say, Uh, whatever's in the book of Romans, I don't need that again. Got it? Nailed it? (laughs) There is no passage of scripture that you and I have finished plumbing the depths of heart and mind and attitude and doing obedience. And so this is the mindset that he said, this allows me to show you where your hurtful ways are, is that you keep aiming for more so I can show you the next part of your flesh that needs to be uprooted, defied, overcome, thrown away and replaced by the ways of Jesus Christ in Don't, don't believe the lie that there's a lesson you don't need to learn anymore. And I know I've shared this because it's a, it's a version of the same thing of how many times in counseling with someone they've said, why is God letting this happen? I already learned that lesson. I think we've all said it. Come on, God, that whole thing about sharing and trusting, I I got it, that whole thing about gratitude, that whole thing about sacrificial love, that whole thing about forgiveness and mercy, I got it. I already erased it, but here's what he's saying. (laughs) Silly boy, silly girl, you're not done. You are gracefully accepted. I'm not condemning you, I'm not gonna throw you away, I'm not gonna crush you or grind you up, but silly boy, silly girl to think you were finished with that lesson. And again, the very attitude of resentment that I now seem to be in a situation where God's wanting me to learn that lesson deeper, that very resentment is the exposure of my hurtful life. So I don't know if you've ever said that. Father, why are you putting me through this again? I already learned that lesson. You get to recognize I get to go deeper. I need to learn it more. I need to trade in more of my hurtful ways, my blind ways, my selfish ways, my limited ways, for your amazingly graceful, eternal ways. Now, now, when I recognize that we are not going to finish Psalm 119, <laughs> because this is like at least a three-week sermon. <laughs> Bring it on! Bring it on! Okay. <laughs> and, and I mean this. I thought. I really thought about this this week, so I mean what I'm saying. You guys are incredibly grace-filled fellowship toward me, um, and I mean that. You put up with with my, I hope they're not hurtful ways, but you put up with my uh, unpredictable, expanded time ways, and I appreciate it. But this recognition that he's saying, you go into the Word, you look for what to obey, and in that process, you will bump into your hurtful ways. And then we will have opportunity for me to lead you in my eternal way. And for somebody who forgets what they're like, and and that was a beautiful analogy who we've talked about many times in James. He said, if you're not looking at the word, you actually don't know who you really are. In both senses of the word. If I'm not in the word, I do not fully comprehend, and I'll never be finished, but I do not fully comprehend who I am in Christ. One of my favorite songs we we sing this morning was, um, you are my king, I'm condemned. I mean, you're condemned, and that's why I'm forgiven. And so there's this incredible song, just laying out a few of those beautiful truths, that because you died for me, not because you're a nice guy, but because you died for me, now there's this incredible exchange of reality that you took on my sin, I receive your righteousness. You took on my condemnation. I I take on your acceptance and welcome in the Father's presence. These are real things. And we get to ponder them more and more. And he's saying, you will not comprehend who you really are in Jesus Christ unless you're constantly in the word so that the mirror of the word can show you more of who you really are in Jesus Christ. This is majestic stuff and we're so used to saying it, or we're so used to singing about it or hearing it, that I fear sometimes we minimize its majesty. And every now and then, we just need to be brought to our knees in gratitude over who you and I are in Jesus Christ. I need the word for that. But he also says, you're not gonna realize your hurtful ways. You're not gonna recognize the sin that I'm still working to to uproot. You're not gonna recognize the ways of your flesh that are comfortable and that no one else may challenge except the Holy Spirit in the privacy of your time in the Word. And I'm right there looking for a heart that's willing to hear the challenge. So this recognition, I need the Word, I need the mirror of the Word to show me who I am in my flesh, who I am in Jesus Christ, and to recognize who I am in Jesus Christ is now the true eternal reality, and that is my place of authority to absolutely, with authority, defy the flesh and discard it, overcome it, uproot it. Recognize it doesn't fit with the character of God, so it doesn't belong to me. So I think five minutes ago, I started to end the sermon. (laughs) But again, as we go into the word, as we go into our week, as we go into our relationships, as we go into our life challenges through the week, that I I pray for you and I pray for me that that we would think of our ways and the Father's ways. As we're gonna see next week, perhaps, uh, David recognizes, if I'm gonna change my ways, I need to keep bringing my ways to you. I need to keep presenting them to you for correction. And that you and I would have that hard attitude this week that Father, I'm willing to hear where you want me to grow. Not where I'm condemned. And that's the that will be the fear of the enemy. The enemy will say, don't you dare go into the Word because you're gonna feel condemned. I, I had a young lady who said that she's scared to go into the Word of God. Because she said, every time I go into the Word of God, I just feel condemned. And, and she's seeing all these commands that she, she's not free to live. She's seeing all these attitudes of love and grace that she's not yet matured into. She's going in her word and she's just seeing the gap between where she is and what God desires for her. And she's hearing nothing but condemnation. She gets discouraged and she wants to quit. And that means she needs more of the mirror to show her who she is in Christ, that that gap has been forgiven. And now instead of a judge pointing to the gap, she has a father assisting her in growing. Go into the week determined to choose that you have a father who's willing to help you grow, not a judge who's condemning you. Let's pray together. Father, we celebrated your son's death today. And nothing we do here in this fellowship, nothing we're capable of in our lives as believers would be possible without that death. Jesus, you didn't come to planet earth to start a religion. You said it yourself, you came to die. Prophets could teach us religion. Teachers could teach us religion. Pastors and evangelists could teach us religion. Jesus, nobody but you, holy son of God, perfect in all your ways, obedient to the Father, even to the point of death. Nobody but you could be the sacrifice that paid for my sin. And we get to be amazed and full of gratitude at this death that purchases for us eternal life. But I also thank you, Jesus, that your plan was never that we just get saved and go to heaven. Your plan was that you plant your very life and spirit in us and we get to grow up into the divine nature. We get to learn your ways for our life, for our relationships, for our day. We get to learn your ways. Help us in this, Father. Jesus, thank you that when you left, You said you were not leaving us alone like orphans, but you were going to send your spirit who would lead us into truth and then give us power to grow. Help us to face this week, Father, with a determination that we want to go into the word to hear you speak, and then we want to go with your word into our day to do it. Help us to see your ways to grieve over our ways, and to trade them in for your ways this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.